Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Hello, my name is Kay, and I have the great privilege of talking to you all today. Um, I have been part of this body for now close to 10 years. In 2018, I moved up to Boston to continue on with my education, but Ryan has so sweetly asked me to join you all for this series on spiritual gifts, and I can't tell you how honored and how excited I am just to share a little bit with you. And just to be with you, I love this body, I love the people here, and I'm so excited for what the Lord has given me and just want to share a little bit with you. But before I get started, I just want to sort of take in the footsteps of what Ryan has been doing in acknowledgement of what's going on nationally in our country and just pause and really take a moment to think about what racial reconciliation looks like. What does it look like for us as the body? What does it look like for us in the midst of our own stories? And so this is going to be a whole lot less of a toolkit and a lot more of a confession and just sort of a snapshot into where I am and my hope for where we all can move towards and specifically move towards today as the Lord sort of hopefully will speak, be speaking through me and through his word. And so as I think about racial justice, what I have realized is that it is self-justice, and thus for me, my grief has not yet been turned into anger, nor has it been turned into much action at all. I am still under the deafening weight of this heaviness, and my heart is still breaking, and the wounds are still fresh, and my soul is still too tired, too tired to even bear witness to hold these dichotomous truths that I am the beloved child of God and that I am at risk of being treated as something less than human. I haven't found a place for that incomprehensible reality. I have not found any holy solace. Yet in the midst of this horrific unveiling and this personal reckoning, today I offer these stories and these holy truths with the hope that they would propel us both forward, that they would put us towards the pursuit of the restoration of all things because we have the hope of Christ within us. We have been told the end of the story and because of that story is true, I believe that this holy ground in this moment actually allows us to co-labor with Christ for the redemption of the world and for the reconciliation of his children. And so today is going to be very personal but very hopeful that we all will get to move towards the Lord in ways that we may not have expected. So you join me as I pray. Sweet Father, we need you now. We need you in ways we have often forgotten, and we need you in places. We believed we were safe. We need you in this reckoning, and we need you to redeem all things. Lord, would we enter into a deeper understanding and a bold application of these gifts and may we grow in these truths that they would be used for the administration of your holy kingdom. Lord, may your words be spoken through me and may all hearts be open now and always. Amen. So today you may know that we are talking about knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And I want to give you a few big picture points that I'm going to reinforce throughout this talk uh, about these three gifts. 
So wisdom, discernment, and knowledge are the navigational gifts intended to keep us grounded in what God is doing in the moment. These gifts are the manifestation of the logic of God. So what does that mean? I think logic is the way of how do things work? What does it look like? And God is a God of logic. He is incomprehensible, but he is not haphazard. And these gifts show how he makes the universe work and how our lives work within it. These gifts are the manifestation of his logic because they are the directional, navigational movements on how we, he gets to live out his hope for our own story. And these gifts have to acknowledge and give us tools to allow him to have lordship over our lives. Secondly, I want to give an example of sort of where I hope the greatest reality of these gifts are and really think about we're doing a series on spiritual gifts right now in the midst of such uncertainty. How can these gifts be used? And since I know this is a very Enneagram literate community, I'm going to use that as a good framework. So I am a five, which is the investigator. And I'm also an INTJ, which is introvert, intuitive, thinking, judging. I am fully an internal processor. I thrive in the caverns and castles of my mind. Thus, these gifts feel very natural to me, but I want to really acknowledge up front that this is not a sermon for heady people. This is not a thinker's moment. Um, this, I think, will bless everyone because one of the greatest gifts, I guess the greatest realities of these gifts is that the, they are what is needed for an overwhelmed heart. These gifts become the guidepost of hope. We are in a season of such immeasurable uncertainty. And as our hearts are overwhelmed, these gifts give us direction for how we can navigate the world and partner with God for the continued work that he's doing. And lastly, the place where I'm going to spend a lot of time and the gift that I think has really transformed my life most substantially is the concept of vision and the gift of vision. Vision is our yes to the story he is writing in and through our lives. This is the place where we get to acknowledge the Lord and his lordship in our lives and really provide an opportunity for him to write what he had always intended for us. But looking, thinking about these four gifts as we get in, I do want to acknowledge something that as I thought a lot about this and really provide sort of as a disclaimer, um, knowledge has been used in our society, in Western society, as a designator of worth. All of these gifts carry with them an undue weight of worthiness and also can be used as weapons to designate unworthiness. But I want to say very clearly that every gift is from the Father and every gift is given to offer the world a piece of himself and help us establish his kingdom. There is no ranking with the Lord in these gifts, whether it is helps or administration or mercy or prophecy. All of these gifts are from the Lord and all of these gifts are used and given by him. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, it states that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. So with that big picture and the hope that we talked about in the beginning, let's get on some level ground to make sure we're all starting at the same page and go through a few definitions. So first, knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge exemplifies the logic of God by allowing us to understand the structure and character of his creation and of God himself. So there are two basic definitions of knowledge. Thinking one is the ability to see and understand the complex, and two is to know something through divine intuition. 
So if we take that first definition, it can be broadly applied and it can be seen as the ability to get into a complicated situation and just intuitively, almost instinctively feel like, oh, I can see the way through this or the way out of it or how to make it function. And it's usually coupled and is often seen with other gifts such as administration, vision, and dream interpretation, and it can be applied anywhere. So the gift of knowledge is something that there's the concept of gifts that are used predominantly within the body and gifts that are used with outside of the body. And I, the gift of knowledge truly has equal sides and equal places where it can be used. Two places in the Bible where you see the gift of knowledge given, it is to Daniel as well as to Joseph. I'm not going to go through their full stories, but both of these men, some, somewhere in their life, were serving pagan kings. They were serving kings outside of the tribe of Israel, and they were um, using their gift of knowledge. And the Lord gave them this gift to allow them to interpret dreams in some circumstances, to be high-ranking administrators, to serve that kingdom and bless the kingdom as they are the people of God. And for someone like me, whose life is predominantly serving outside of the body, I find it to be a great um, relief and just like to be a great little piece to hold on to that this gift is given to be used both inside and outside of the body. Secondly, there's the other form of knowledge that's often coupled with prophecy, but we're going to talk about it here. And so that is when God gives you divine understanding or factual knowledge about someone that you could not have gained otherwise, other than having the Lord give it to you. I've heard someone describe this as someone coming up to you and reading your mail. Like they just know what's happening ahead of time, right? Before you even get into it. And these divine appointments is the way I like to think about them are places where the Lord allows us to interact and partner into what he's doing in someone else's life in a way that we couldn't have done it otherwise. An example of this in the Bible is in John where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman and it's John 4, 16 through 19. And so Jesus says, uh, the Bible says, actually, he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she replied, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. And so it goes on to that this woman who is a Samaritan who sits sort of outside the body of God at this point um, is able to recognize the Lordship of Christ in a way that she wouldn't have if he didn't have this divine knowledge that he saw who she was without her telling him. And so for those of you who have the gift of knowledge, who have you've taken the assessment or you've just known this instinctively, there are some places where knowledge can grow. I went to Boston to go to medical school, so I have a science background and I like to think of knowledge as data. And there's something that comes with having a lot of knowledge that sometimes we can mistake it for intimacy. And there's something to be truly said that as you grow in the gift of knowledge, never to mistake knowing a lot about God or knowing a lot about a thing as replacing it for intimacy with God. To know God and to be known by him is different than to know a lot of facts about the Lord. And so there's also with growing in the gift of knowledge is not to mistake knowledge for wisdom. So knowledge is the ability to understand in a moment, but wisdom is how you apply that knowledge. There's, I often think about this of brilliant people who cannot communicate well. The gen their genius is lost on a lot of the population because they can't give it, they can't have that knowledge turned into wisdom to help be applied in other people's lives. So the gift, if as you have the gift of knowledge, places to grow in growing in maturity of see, still seeking intimacy as well as growing in wisdom. So let's go on to discernment. What is discernment? 
Discernment exemplifies the logic of God by allowing us to move forward with the understanding of where the Lord is leading and how he wants him to join, how he wants you to join him. Discernment is a present tense in the moment gift. This is about knowing what God is doing and are seeing if your eyes are open to it. Discernment is can be thought of in three different ways. I like to think of it, one, as the discernment of direction. Discernment of, Lord, what are you asking me to do in this moment to another? This is, I'm gonna sort of take a small caveat here to say the gift of discernment, I think is available to all, all the gifts are available to all of us, but I think this is something that each of us use in our daily lives, moving forward and need to use as we walk through life with the Lord. And so there's d- discernment of direction, which is one kind. I think there's discernment of others. People with a high gift of discernment can enter into a conversation, can enter into a space and just begin to recognize like, oh, this is where people are. It's sort of an unspoken ability to just recognize what's happening in the moment. And then also the the discernment of environment, similarly paired to the discernment of others of like, what's going on in a room? What is the thing beneath the thing? What is the environment and what's the feeling that needs to be done? And so the gift of discernment can be used in a lot of different ways, but I think if you have the gift of discernment, three ways that you can grow in this gift is in wisdom, compassion, and maturity. But these three gifts of knowledge, discernment, and wisdom build upon each other. And the wisdom needing with coupling with discernment is to know, like, what are you actually supposed to do with the thing the Lord is allowing you to see? Sometimes the Lord is saying, like, I'm showing you what's happening, or I'm showing you which way to go so you can act upon it. And sometimes the Lord is saying, I'm showing you what's happening in this room or which way you should go in your own life. And I'm asking you to seek me in prayer, to intercede on the behalf of others in this space, or to ask me, like, Lord, I feel like you're showing me two things. What, what is next? And to seek him even further. I also think that as you grow in discernment, you have to have a sense of compassion. Discernment is a gift. And it as a lot of these gifts, when you have it, and it may feel innate, your question of like, well, doesn't everybody see this? Like, this is very obvious to me. And recognizing like, no, everyone may not see it. This actually truly is a divine gift. And having that compassion for others, recognizing, oh, I may be able to offer them something that they are not seeing themselves is a, is a place of maturity, is a place for you to step in and say, Lord, how can I serve? How can I how can I support someone else in their growth with, through the gift of discernment? And then lastly is maturity. Similar to the office of the prophet, tact can go a long way. I like to think of like tact as sugar. Like you just sometimes you'd like spread it on and spread it thick sometimes for the message to be taken. The thing about being able to discern, okay, we're going here or here or oh, what's actually going on is this, that can be completely lost if there's not the maturity to give that message tactfully, to give it full of compassion and to give it in a way that invites someone into growing further and invites them into channeling a prop, fixing a problem. So that is discernment and now we're going to move on to wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom exemplifies the logic of God by equipping us to divinely apply knowledge and discernment. Wisdom is the application of the two prior gifts. It is design insight that allows us to administer solutions for everyday life. It is data that has been given purpose. I love wisdom. I think 
it is fundamental for us as we grow both in intimacy and maturity with the Lord, and really as we live out our lives. A piece of wisdom that I want to tackle, because I think it's often categorized as something that falls more administrative, something that falls something that's more advice given, is the creative reality of wisdom. So Eric Johnson states that the spirit of wisdom, which has the ability to create, do things with excellence and take something that is useless and make it useful. And this, that statement is exemplified in Exodus 31, one through five. And it goes like this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic design for the work of gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Wisdom was an artistic gift. Wisdom in Proverbs is that said to be there at the creation of the world. Wisdom is personified as a woman, and she states that she was there and she partnered with God in how he created the world. And we, I want to bring and broaden wisdom to recognize that the arts are a manifestation of wisdom. Your creativity is a manifestation of wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom to create just as he gives wisdom to advise. And so for those of you who are growing in wisdom, and hopefully that is all of us, what, how do we do that? And I think first off is always remembering that wisdom is birthed in intimacy with Jesus. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This series and this year, I know that you all have been working from the place of out of intimacy, you're pursuing maturity, and now that's living forth these gifts. And wisdom is rooted in time and closeness with the Father, for he is the source of all knowledge and the source of all wisdom. And the more intimate we are with the Lord, the more opportunity, and I think just the more reality we have to offer and bring the gift of wisdom in our everyday life. And secondarily, wisdom is received or has grown through prayer and pursuit. In Colossians 1, 9 through 13, it says, Paul says to the people, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So this concept of prayer, that prayer is essential for seeking wisdom, is only reinforced through Proverbs where she says, get wisdom and get understanding to seek it out, to look for wise people in your lives very practically, to look for ways to grow knowledge, to sit and listen, to be a part of a place where you can grow in wisdom and just have people who are wise pour into you. And so now that we have gained a foundation for these three gifts, I want to broaden our discussion to talk about the concept of vision. And really, this is like what I'm excited about. This is one of the main reasons that I was like, oh, I would love to talk on these three gifts because vision has transformed my life. Um, and the way that I want to think about this is that as we become mature in perceiving what God is doing in the moment, we can gain vision for where he is taking us. This is how we walk with him and how he, as, as he writes our story. And so the concept of story is 
if there was a chorus to the way I lived my life and the way I thought about it, it is in, the, it is in story. It is how can we engage with the Lord as he is writing our story moving forward and as we get to partner and step in to the story that has been going on way before us and will continue well after us. We are part of the narrative that has already begun. And so I, this question of Will the Lord, will you write my story? Actually, it came from a conversation with a dear friend. Um, she was traveling and she was like, we were actually coming to meet each other. It was when I was sort of taking a life sabbatical in Europe a long time ago. And she asked the Lord, she said, felt like the Lord asked her, like, will you let me write your story? And when she shared that with me, it was like, it was just so profound. I was like, okay, Lord, like, will you write my story? Will you, will you begin to move forward and write what you have, not what I thought? And I think that it exemplifies God's heart, his ask to her, and sort of for me, the reciprocal aspect to him is the point of all of this is to be with him. Beyond the doing, beyond the bringing of his kingdom, beyond the establishment of anything, it's about being with him. And that has always been his start in Genesis 3.8. It talks about God walking in the cool of the day. He wanted to be with them. In Song of Solomon, which we'll circle back to this passage again, 2 um, through 8 and through 11, he talks about inviting us out on an adventure to run on the hills with him. In Leviticus, he meant, even in the Old Testament, the hope was that he will put his dwelling among you and I will walk with you and be your God and you will be my people. Witness his ability to be with us has always been the goal. And I think vision is the gift that allows us to step even further into the reality of being with him and to be in the story that he's writing. So vision, how would I define it? I would say that vision exemplifies the logic and heart of God by inviting us to take, inviting us into a life of active intimacy with him. To be actively moving through our everyday situations in both grand and small ways with the Lord, that his vision moves us forward. And I think that this, again, I think all of these gifts are, all the gifts are available to all of us. But I think these four gifts are specifically something that I hope we all are leaning towards and seeking because I believe that God has a vision and purpose for each of us in our lives and that he will use the gifts of knowledge, discernment, and wisdom to help us write them out. That there is a story for you. There's a story that you're in and there's a story that is still coming. And I so, I like so desperately hope that for you will, let this sink in, that this will be a place for you to begin to engage with God in this manner. And so the way of asking and growing in vision, I think has to acknowledge one other point is the small question of, will you write my story is actually a prayer of submission and relinquishment. For you think about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus says, Lord, let your will be done, your will, let your will be done and not mine. As we pray that often, um, in the Lord's prayer, that we ask that his kingdom be established to say, Lord, will you write my story saying, Lord, I ask that your will would be done in my life. I ask that you take my submission and I relinquish my life to you in every facet. And so to receive his will and to get caught up in the vision, vision of God, it requires us to lay down our plans. And it is the best thing and it is the most trepidatious thing and like terrifying thing that I have done in so many ways. Um, I, I have, didn't, don't think my life would have ever turned out the way it has. And so I'm gonna just like give you a few stories of ways that it's done that of, so the 
fact that I'm up here doing this is sort of comical because there are two places in my life that I was like, Lord, I would prefer not. We can do whatever you want, but these are options and things that I'd rather not do. And one of those was formal ministry. I was like, never, please ever have me do this. And it really came from the concept of like being a church woman or a church lady. Cause I grew up with women in ministry and seeing just how women in the church were where I grew up. It was a place that I felt like I didn't belong. There was sort of like a forced demureness, a forced quietness, and often like a shallowness to what the interactions seemed. I was like, Jesus, anything but this. And as you see what I'm doing right now, this obviously didn't go <laughs> the way I had planned. From the time that I got to be part of this body, I've been so honored to have been part of multiple ministries, to have gotten to do women's conferences here and just invite the daughters of God and invite the men of God to grow further in their lives. And I think that is the bit of vision. I have been transformed and blessed by something that I honestly had no desire to do. And I think that is what happens when we allow the Lord to have vision. I think also, sort of practically, what does it look like? I am in the midst of another adventure that I never intended to be on. Um, and I'm just going to start at the beginning of that one and work for it to show you what it looks like in my life. There's very rarely moments where I feel like there's writing on the wall of like, go do this, like left turn here, here's the next thing. For me, it comes in a mischievous whisper. And I like, I don't know if the Lord comes mischievous to everyone, but he comes so mischievous to me. It is something like if you've seen Chronicles of Narnia, there's a place where you hear about Aslan being on the move and you hear it in the wind and you hear that he is now doing something and that's how the Lord shows up to me. It's one of those places where he's like, it's okay, what do you think? And I'm always like, Jesus, like we have a plan. We're doing something. And he so sweetly is like, just think about it and keep coming. And what that happened for me last, well, yeah, last December, um, I had been part of at Boston University, which I'm at medical school at. I've been part of a work around racism medicine. In December, we were working on doing a curricular assessment and doing a report. And I was exhausted. And I just had this like harebrained, recognizing now rather divine thought, birth and exhaustion. Like, what if I could do this full time? And I was like, and just like kept it going. It just moved past. And slowly but surely, the Lord was like, so what do you think? And I was like, Jesus, we've got to graduate. We've got things to do. There are other things we came here to do. Um, and he just had this little whisper of like, well, what do you think? And I was like, are you asking me to join you? And it again was like in this book of Song of Solomon that I was like, will you come on this adventure with me? Will you do this thing? And the bigger narrative behind that is race was also a place in my life that I was like, Lord, no thank you. Um, this skin, this melanin has already been such a work, like a place of battle for me. I don't want to put this as a professional identity. I don't want to put this as work that I'm actively leaning into and actively leaning into putting myself at risk for a conversation that I have been tired of having or have avoided having out of what it seems to like take from me far more than give to me. And it became this question of like, will you come with me? Will you let me do this thing with you? Will you allow my vision to become the story of your life? Will you let me give you this vision? And it, there was a whisper that he said to me, and he said, I've called you to create space for people to thrive. What greater work or what greater example of that than this work? 
And so within the months from last December till now, there's been the creation of a diversity and inclusion fellow, which I will take the next year to work specifically for the medical school to help them develop an equity curriculum and to focus around doing work on how do we dismantle racism in medicine? How do we have more discussions on what it looks like and how do we partner with future physicians and faculty teaching them to help dismantle a system that is born out of oppression and thus improve health disparities for generations to come? And so this question to me, it feels like the thing that I was afraid of, the thing that was a wound, the thing that I felt held me back, the Lord says, like, will you let me use that? Will you allow me to use the thing that I so intentionally placed in you to bring freedom to a generation that will live far beyond you? Will you help me to help you train doctors to move forward, which is ridiculous in the grand scheme of things. Because like one, I'm in the curriculum skill. Like I'm still in something that I'm now helping to shape. Like that doesn't happen. And then two, the fact that he's allowing me to do it this year in the midst of this unveiling in a place where people are now ready to have a conversation they've never been ready to happen for. And he started this back last December. He was like, we're getting the ball rolling to prepare me for this moment. That that exhausted yes has become an opportunity to make sure that health disparities are lowered through different classes of medical school that will far outlive me being in Boston. That is the opportunity of this yes. And this yes doesn't feel most days like this magnificent large yes. This yes felt like, will you give me another year of your life to do the work, to give you rest, to allow you to press into something that really matters to you because what you're fighting for is you're fighting for the lives of your children and grandchildren and that for so many others. This vision was that gift and it was that yes. And all that I did was say yes and he has allowed the work to roll forward and he has allowed the doors to be open that shouldn't have been open for me to do this work. And so in that, I just want to invite you all into the life you may have never thought you were going to have, into the life that is, I think, will truly be bigger than what you've imagined, because in this moment and so many other moments, it has turned out to be that way. I truly believe that vision is the manifestation of our yes to his lordship. It is the yes to the story he wants to write in and through us. And I believe that that is available to all of us. And for me, the greatest example of this is in Moses and MLK. Martin Luther King talks about the work of Moses in one of his to me, is one of his most prolific speeches was I've been to the mountaintop. And I just want to pull a small tidbit of that speech at the very end. For those of you who may not be familiar with the life and story of Moses, I'm going to like truncate it into the center portion. He helps to bring the Israelites out of out of slavery in Egypt and is taking them to the promised land. And on that journey, he goes up onto a mountain, Mount Sinai, and he looks and the Lord shows him what's coming. But Moses doesn't make it. Moses doesn't reach the promised land alive. And MLK takes that, man, takes that picture and that reality of Moses and correlates it to his own life. And in the end, he says, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. My eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. The Lord gave him a vision of what was at the horizon and called him to walk towards it now at the place he was. And he said, I have seen the glory of the Lord. And I think that, that is 
that's vision in a perfect little like snapshot. That is God's hope is to give you his view of the mountaintop to say, this is where I'm calling you to. This is what I hope for you. This is the story that I want to write with you. And this in the midst of today and that horizon is a whole lot of unknown. And that's where the other three gifts come to navigate. That's where the knowledge of what to do in a tough situation, the sermon of which way he's calling you, the wisdom to walk it out and apply it to get you to the horizon to maintain the endurance, to seek the thing, to tell the story with God that he's always hoped for you to do. This is what he is offering to us with our simple yes. And for those of you who are on this journey, for those of you who have said, like, I said yes, and you are like, it's not getting better. <laughs> it's, we're still in a place of hardship. I don't understand what he's doing. Hold, hold fast. Lean into that space with him. Invite him to give you greater discernment, to give you greater wisdom to navigate. Something that I have been resting in and trying to hold on to in this area of my life with my work and with so many others is that he keeps getting better. That there is no end of the goodness of God. That there is no end where he somehow doesn't have enough to give or have enough to propel you for. That his goodness is wrapped up in who he is and his invitation is one for your benefit. And then for those of you who are like, Lord, I feel like you've maxed out, like life is going really well. I think in this sort of grand scale is not always like the easiest place to find. But even I have found of like, Lord, I want to go do this thing. And I look, I feel like it checks all the boxes and the Lord is like, wait. And I was like, Jesus, we have all the boxes checked. Like this is the best thing. I'm not going to be able to find better. And he is asking me of like, babe, do you trust me? Like, will you let me show you that it can keep getting better, that I can keep bringing you further, that there is more to offer? And so that I think, I hope that you hear that whether you are waiting for the change to come or you are in the midst and saying, Lord, I don't know if it can get better. I don't know if anything will grow beyond where I am, that you allow him to speak into that, that you invite his vision into his, his faithfulness and his goodness into that moment of questioning that while the vision of God is not always clear, remember that God wants to co-labor with you to continue to write a better story. As good as it may be, or as much as there's room to grow, he is deeply hoping to write this story with you. And so, sweet fam, I am so grateful to have been able to walk this with you. And I am so hopeful for what the Lord will begin to do in all of us to give us hope to move forward, to give us hope to continue to write the story he is writing in us. And so I just want to invite us all to pray and then we will continue forward in worship. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done and what you're continuing to do, continuing to do for the hope you are sowing and for the lives you are leading. Lord, invite us further. Invite us with a greater faithfulness and guide us with a greater sense of saying yes to you. Thank you for the adventure that I and we are already on, Lord, and may we continue to see more and more of your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.